Stop wasting time. Right. Money, you can go out and make money. There are so many ways to make money today, especially in America. I give America a lot of crap. I can be very transparent around that, okay? America has a lot of problems. But one thing that is not a problem is being able to go out and get some money. Mm. There are so many ways that you can go make money. And you can do that. And you can do it embodying what you're called to do and what you love to do. Welcome back to another episode of When Hers United, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and I truly appreciate you listening in. This is season 11, episode four, entitled, You Define Your Legacy with Anna Deshaun. Before we jump into the interview, I wanna tell you more about me and When Hers United, the podcast. I believe that success leaves clues. And When Hers United, the podcast was created to give you the clues you need to succeed in business, mindset, personal development, and self-care. These are the four pillars we stand on here at When Hers United, which is why they are emphasized. So we all can live a complete and fulfilled life both personally as well as professionally. I also believe that you can't be what you can't see, which is why When Hers United showcases women of color entrepreneurs. If you love When Hers United, please invite someone you know to listen and tell your friend to tell a friend. Let's spread the knowledge, y'all. You know, we believe in being empowered and empowering on. Now, without further ado, let's get into season 11, episode four, entitled, You Define Your Legacy, with Anna Deshaun. We're back with another amazing, winning, woman of color entrepreneur, Anna, welcome. Hey, I finally made it. I made it. (laughs) I made it to the pod, y'all. It's a long story. Don't worry about it. Just know I made it. Listen, look, Anna coming for me, y'all. Me and Anna are friends in real life, right? And Anna is doing so many amazing things and have been saying, when am I going to be worthy enough to be on When Hers United, the podcast? Anna has always been worthy to be on the podcast. Our schedules are finally matching up. So I'm super excited to be able to share her with you. I just think she got tired of me posting on Facebook, y'all. But, you know, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I made it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, y'all, we're going to have a time today, y'all. Look, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't ready. We're going to have a time today. But before we get started, let me tell you more about Anna. Anna Deshaun, whose pronouns are anything respectful, is a Chicago-born social entrepreneur who builds streaming platforms which center and celebrate BIPOC and QTPOC creatives. Media has always been her passion. And in 2009, she turned that passion into a reality when she founded E3 Radio, an online radio station playing queer music and reporting on queer news with an intersectional lens. Most recently, she co-founded The Cube, a podcast production company and curated platform to discover the best music and podcasts by BIPOC and QTPOC creatives. Anna is an award-winning podcast. Be sure to go check out Queer News, determined to ride media into its next era by utilizing digital media streams to tell the stories and play the music that deserves to be heard. Hey! Yes! Okay! Listen! So, Anna, we're going to jump right on in, right? Give us the tea. What prompted you to move into full-time entrepreneurship? COVID. (laughs) COVID prompted me to move into full-time entrepreneurship. I had thought about it for a really long time, and I worked in corporate America for a really long time, but I always had my side hustle. I always had my passion project, which was the radio station, and I could just never let it go. But COVID was a game-changing moment for me. My wife 
contracted COVID. It was a scary experience having to take her to the hospital and have and not being able to stay and then having to come home with COVID myself and being so worried. And the reality is that life really is short, that we really just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And why am I giving all of my time and energy to somebody else and not myself? And I have felt that for a while, but I, COVID was a breaking point. It was a breaking point in the work in corporate. It was a breaking point for me deciding like, how are you spending your time? And how are you spending your time? <laughs> and are you going to live life with any regrets if you don't make this big leap? And while I was sitting there for them two weeks, because COVID, it, it'll take you out. Okay. And while you wait for that negative test to come back, like I'm free. I thought a lot about it. And I was like, it's time. It's time to take the big leap. I knew the world was resetting. So why not reset with the world? Right. And it, it was just a great opportunity. And I think COVID should have offered everybody that opportunity if they were in a space to receive it, because it really was just a worldwide reset on so many levels. Mm, that's deep. That's deep. So you said a few things that just sparked something in me personally. Right. So what's the saying? Like, don't wait for tomorrow for what you could do today. Right. Like, that's what I heard. And then just a quote give your time and energy to yourself, right? Like I thought that was super, super amazing. So glad, you know, you and your wife were able to come through COVID successfully as far as your health, but also successfully as far as, you know, like going full time and doing what you have been dreaming of doing, right? So prior to COVID, you know, and this basically awakening that it sounds like you had, right? Like, were you prepping to go into entrepreneurship? Like, you know, making whatever money to replace your salary? Or was it just like enough is enough? <laughs> it was like enough is enough. At the same time, I, there was some preparation. I was clear that at some point I was going to quit corporate. I just didn't know when. And I think that's a lot of our challenges. We just don't know when. And then oftentimes in the beginning of that, when you begin to question, like, oh, it's just not the right time. And then you realize there ain't never going to be a right time, that life is going to continue to life <laughs> and it'd be living a whole lot. You just you can't escape that. It's not something you can escape. And so I did. I, I had moved everything out of my my little cubicle office. I had taken down like so many of like the pictures and tchotchke stuff. I had been there for 12 years, so it it was my place. And so I had removed some of that stuff and. I did. I was saving money. I wanted to make sure that we were financially going to be all right. You know, you got to have a couple months of mortgage. You know, how much of your bills, you know, how much can you cut? And someone gave me some great advice at one point. And they were like, think about the worst case scenario. What is the worst case scenario you can think of? And I, when I thought about what that could be, it was moving in with my parents. And I still had a house over, a roof over my head. And so I was like, well, that ain't too bad if that's the worst case it could get. <laughs> and I was like, well, all right, I think we can do this, you know? And so, yeah, there was some preparation. Absolutely. I'm a Virgo, so I don't leave home without a spreadsheet. So there's that. <laughs> so absolutely. You got to prepare. But at the same time, you also just have to decide it's time. I stopped trying to set a date or a year. Another entrepreneur told me at one point, like, you don't do that. You'll just know because you're just going to keep missing that date or time. So you'll just know when it's time. And I did. I knew exactly when it was time to go. Mm, I like that. I like that. No, no wonder we get along because I speak spreadsheets as well. Right. <laughs> you know, no wonder we get along. You know, that was really good. Like you, you touched my spirit, you know, in relation to, you know, like it's always a reason to, you know, overlook what you really want to do. Right. So I thought that was really good as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. So tell us why radio. I love media. I always have. It's what I grew up wanting to be was on television, wanted to be the next Robin Roberts. I wanted to do play by play announcing and color commentating for sports. She was the only black woman on television doing it that I saw on ESPN, ABC, Wild World of Sports. She was everywhere doing the Olympics. And I grew up a gym rat. My dad is an athlete, coach, all the things, educator. And so 
I love sports. I still do. <laughs> and so I wanted to grow up and be in that world. I can even remember my parents putting me in a journalism camp at Bradley University. We were cutting tape and t- learn how to tell stories. And this was like in high school. So I, I definitely knew that's what I wanted to do. I studied radio, television production in undergrad with a minor in multicultural studies. And then I got my master's in communications. Like, this is what I knew I wanted to do, but I thought it was going to be television. And then in undergrad, I realized that none of the on-air talent that was being chosen looked like me. (laughs) You know, there aren't masculine of center women on television. And there isn't anyone who isn't looking a particular way on the nine o'clock or 10 o'clock news. Uh, There's a look that television desires. And I realized, "Mm, I don't really have that look. And then I ended up with an internship at a radio station, turning on time, joining in the morning. And I was like, this is dope. People would call up to the station and be like, I love your voice. And I love that you're on with us. And, you know, I was doing the weather and the traffic, because y'all know weather and traffic is always local with these national shows. You hear the the national personalities, but the person local is just sitting in the studio waiting for their time to talk every hour, right? And so (laughs) that's what I was doing. I loved it. And from that point, I was like, oh, I can sit here in my sweatpants and talk to thousands and thousands of people and no one has to see me. And I really loved that. Not to mention, I grew up with radio. My mom has listen to the same shows, the same personalities every single day. And I think so much of us, especially Black America, can relate to that. There's just a special relationship that Black people have with their favorite radio DJ. It's completely different than television personalities. It's just different. And I really love that. And I got hooked. I got hooked to radio. Mm, I love that. So one of the questions I used to ask on a podcast is like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Right. So I'm just, you know, even listening to you, like it was something that was always in you, you know, and you decided to finally go after it. Right. I and correct me if I heard this wrong. Right. It sounds like you couldn't find yourself in the space. So you basically created a space for yourself in the space that you wanted to be in. Absolutely. Because I also learned in undergrad that the talent is very replaceable. (laughs) the work, the magic is in the producers. The magic is in the person directing the show. The people that no one sees, the 40 people behind the scenes doing the work. The talent is reading a teleprompter that somebody wrote for them. And I quickly realized that I don't have the look that these folks are going to be looking for. Also, like, how much of a fight do you want to put up with that? And I went to school at PWIs, predominantly white institutions in small towns. I also had to think about how I wanted to start my professional career. Did I want to stay in this small town environment? Because that's the jam. That's what you have to do. You got to start in a small market and work your way up. Small markets mean small towns. And small towns usually mean a lot of white folks. And being a Black queer woman, that is not a safe situation most of the time. At some point, my, one of my identities is going to be a problem for somebody. And I was I was really clear, especially after I finished my master's program, that is not what I wanted. And and so for me, that left me out of the go the traditional media route, because that is the route you have to go. You're not going to show up in Chicago and be on the radio. That's just not I don't care how good a voice you get. You got to wait in line. You got to wait your turn. And I just knew that's not what I wanted. Mm, okay look we don't wait turns y'all we make the turns happen right and I just want to piggyback off of something you said previously right as far as doing the internships it made me think of looking for opportunities to do things that are in the area we want to be in even if it's on a small scale right because sometimes you need to test those waters to ensure that it is exactly what you want to do because looking from the outside in it may seem cool but you may get in there and realize like I don't really like this thing right so finding those smaller opportunities to solidify your direction is a great idea as well that triggered another thought I was in undergrad, had a wonderful internship at a local station in the sports department. I will never forget this, (laughs) this moment. We had to drive to Amana, Iowa. So for context, I went to school in Des Moines, Iowa, big ups to Drake University. And we had to drive to Amana, Iowa, where they like made Amana refrigerators. Like that's what they're known for. Okay. 
And it was about 45 minutes to an hour away. There was a new coach at Iowa State, a new football coach came in at Iowa State and they were having a like a welcome to Iowa golf outing. OK, so we were going there to interview the new coach, get a sound bite, and bring it back for the evening news. Right. So we're driving 45 minutes to an hour to a man of Iowa. We get there, set up, waiting for this sound bite to happen. It was literally like five minutes. Then we got back. We had to get back in the car, drive another 45 minutes to an hour back to Des Moines, cut the tape, right? Which ended up being a 30 second story on the evening news. And I realized too then that like this, <laughs> this is not what I want for my life. This could be my everyday. Like I'm going to drive to this story and I'm going to have to edit tape for a 30 second piece on even in news. Like this is every day. Like this is what reporters have to do every day. And people that consume the content never think about what it takes to create it. But that's what we had to do. And that's what people do every day. And I also realized in that moment, like, nah, son, this is not, it's like, what is the point? Like, what is this impacting? Like, and I am an impact driven person. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Child, definitely do an internship. It look cute, but it might not be as cute as you think it is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right. So Anna got some amazing things going on this month, one of which is her online launch of The Cube. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So from knowing you and talking with you, right? I know that your big picture plan for The Cube is to be a podcast app. So talk to us about app development. I think many people may want to move in this direction, right? And when I say many people, I'm talking about me, right? I've always wanted to build an app, right? So what are some of the hills and valleys that you've experienced in your pursuits thus far? That technology sucks. (laughs) Period. (laughs) The end. (laughs) That is the beginning and the end of that question. So let me start by saying I spent 12 years in a tech startup. So I am very familiar with the tech, streaming, being in conversations with product when you are a baby startup to a 10-year startup, right? And so I understood the process, but I am not a developer, right? So we need to hire people who can actually code and design and understand roadmaps and project manage these tasks and keep people on track. And all the things. It's a lot. It's a whole heck of a lot. And it prompted me to continually to have to pivot. I pivoted so many times in the process over the last four years since we had this idea, started brainstorming. And it wasn't until I quit my job in February of 2021 that we really began the process of building this thing. And now we are in 2023. (laughs) And I mean, I could say it's COVID, but it's not. I work very well right here from my desk. And it, it is really funding. It's about money. It's also about really honing in on what you want it to look like and prototyping that and having other people look at the flow and understanding user experience and understanding, you know, what is the real end goal? What are you really trying to accomplish with this thing? And the app market is very concentrated. And I will say there's many ways to approach this because there's there's opportunities for you to create an app today with no code, right? It's just about what do you want to build? And what we're building is rather simple and but also requires a very large database. And it also requires constant attention. And if we wanted to make something that also engages with folks and all these other things, it's going to cost a lot of money and it takes time. And so even right now, this month, it's the launch of our web application form of the platform. And that's really what I've really gone forward with saying right now is that we're, we've built a platform and that platform is going to have different iterations of itself. And this is what happens over two years, right? And so we realized that the mobile app was actually going to take even more money than we expected because it grew into something much larger than the original idea. And that we really needed to start with a web application where we could get the website up and bring the functionality to the website. And then let's see 
if people take to it. Let's see if people use it. Let's see if people actually create an account. If people start to actually play and listen to podcasts from our mobile friendly web application, because if they do, then that means that there is some interest in actually us creating a mobile application and the application that we want to build. I mean, it literally is probably it's estimates of like half a million dollars at the very least to build, maintain. And that's just to build and maintain. That's not updates. That's not, you know, all these other things that come along with having this type of mobile application. And I have heard many times that it is not the way in which we should go. And I've heard this from developers. I've heard this from other folks. How in the world do you compete with an Apple or a Spotify out here for people's time? How do you compete with other applications on folks' phones? Nobody wants to download anything anymore. So not that I'm steering away from the idea, but being more strategic about how we approach it and really keeping in mind that we're building it for people. And if people are using the web app and they're saying like, yeah, we would, we would use a mobile application. Like Anna, when is the mobile? When people start asking you for things, that's when you really know like we're on to something, right? But before we pour more money into it, let's see what type of traction we can build in advance of that. And, and let's prove all those naysayers wrong and, and show what's actually possible when you find an audience and talk to your people about what you want to do, right? So that it has been quite the journey. And that's why I'm like so excited about having the opportunity to put it out here in the world and begin to solve the problem of discoverability in podcasting. It is a problem. It's a problem. You cannot find good content. These engines weren't built for that. That's not what they were built for. But if we can ask people what categories or what things interest them about podcasts and then ask them their identities, tell us about you. Are you a Latinx, queer, differently able person? And those are the type of podcasts you want to listen to? Well, let's see what we got in this database and let's serve it up to you. Make it easy for you to find the things that intersect with the things you're interested in and things that align with your identity. Like there's nothing out here that is serving you up culturally aligned content. And and that's what we're looking to do. And so, you know, about to start this whole fundraising train, venture capital funding avenues and traction is what they look for. So I'm excited about the web app. I'm excited about our podcast that we're dropping because we are a podcast production company telling the stories at the intersections of race and sexuality. And those are stories that people don't hear very often, but they are stories that are so incredibly important. So I'm excited about it all. It's finally happening. Finally happening. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I love that, right? And I just want to say kudos to you, right? Because, you know, like I hear your frustration, right? But I also heard the flexibility that you have, right? I also heard the determination that you have and the perseverance, right? Because, you know, like you said, what what year? 2021? Yeah. You know, like some people, 2022, would have been like, oh, forget this. I ain't doing it no more, right? But here you are still pushing through, you know, and wanting to see this thing through, right? And I see, you know, entrepreneurs, they done started five businesses in one year. Like, oh, this business ain't working one month. I'm going on to this one and that one and that one, right? So I think, that or I have a great respect, you know, for entrepreneurs that I see, you know, like really putting it in and seeing that thing out to the end and not, you know, allowing themselves to be swayed here and there, you know, by this wind or that wind. Right. So I definitely want to throw that out there. Right. I also want to say that I feel like Anna gave us a mini mastermind in relation to starting an app, right? Like, so y'all, if y'all ain't had y'all notebook out, you know, run that back, go back and listen to that and write down some of that information, you know, then go and do yourself some more research if that's something that you're looking into doing, right? And then I actually like your new approach, right? Because I think that, you know, background in IT as well, like working in iterations is the agile way to approach things, you know, and be able to fix or adjust as needed as opposed to building this big thing out. And then, like you said, what if it flops, right? We know it ain't gonna flop though. We putting that into the universe, but, you right. know, working in those chunks and giving yourself that flexibility to not have to rework, because I can't stand rework personally, you know, is actually the smart approach, right? So again, super excited, you know, and can't wait to see, continue to watch your journey and see where it goes. And then you talked about your podcast, but I want to shout it out, right? HIV in the South, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's the first Cube original, Black HIV in the South. How black. did we get here? 
Yes. Right. It is, it is an amazing four-part series that I had no idea we would be, be producing this year. It's a story that organically <laughs> came together after I did a report on the 35th anniversary of the AIDS Memorial Quilt. And I think it's just a testament to you actually listening to your gut. I know this is a podcast for entrepreneurs and women of color. And I believe oftentimes we don't always trust our gut. But the gut is God and we have to listen. (laughs) We got to listen. And I said yes to the opportunity to go to San Francisco. I said yes to raising money, asking people for money to go. And it has been a divine experience ever since and led me to travels, led me to meeting people, capturing more stories. And now we're here telling this podcast in February in Black History Month with a distribution deal on Urban One and on our first Cube original. And it's just, I couldn't have planned it. (laughs) Now, do I have my goal in mind? Yes, but we just cannot plan the journey. And, you know, you always hear people say, like, enjoy the journey. Don't be focused on the destination. Okay, I get it. Yes. And but the truth of the matter also is, is that the destination won't be what you think it is. (laughs) But (laughs) and so you really do have to enjoy the journey because what you think is going to be, it won't be. And life is still going to be living. Right. And so you can have the most amazing day and then your life going to remind you just where you're at. So you, it just was completely divine. Everything about it. We we could do a whole episode about how this whole thing came together. So I don't want to bore everybody, but just know it was completely divine. I'm so grateful to be able to tell these folks stories and to talk about the crisis that still exists for Black folks with HIV. Mm. The the statistics are devastating, and you know one quote that impacts so many people when they hear it is by Daphina Ward, who is the executive director of the Southern AIDS Coalition. She is freaking brilliant. And she has this beautiful analogy where she talks about how the NAACP used to hire cartographers to map out the safe places for Black folks to be, right? It wasn't, (laughs) right? And then, so they'd map out like the Green Book, but then they also would map out lynchings. So these cartographers would also map out where the most of the lynchings were happening across the country and they were documenting this, right? So this is like the work of like Ida B. Wells, for example. And so what she did was she looked at that, that map of where the, these lynchings were taking place. And then she looked at the map of where HIV is the highest for Black folks. And those maps are exactly the same. Mm. Those maps are exactly the same. And so her point is that Systematic racism is really at the heart of why HIV is so predominant within the Black community and especially in the South, and that we cannot just address HIV alone. HIV is part of a larger systemic issue that is happening in this country. And so if we can't talk about that, we can't talk about getting to zero new infection. But you got to hit a podcast to hear it tell it because... I mean, it's just so incredibly powerful because you have to take the lens out to be able to see how you actually can help solve this problem because it's possible. It is very much so possible. Mm, that's good. That look, if that if that ain't make you want to go listen to the podcast, I don't know what would, right? <laughs> I remember when Anna went out to San Francisco and I had to call and get the deets, y'all, because I'm one of those, like, I want if I can't be there in person, I need to be there vicariously, right? And I just got chills, you know, just from our conversation. And, you know, again, just so much respect, right, for the work you do, right? It just made me think of, you know, what's in your bio, right? Like social entrepreneur, you know, like you're really walking the walk, right? And let's not glaze over that tweetable, okay? What you say? The gut is God, okay? Mm. The gut is God. That stuck out to me. I had to write that on my notes, y'all. Look, I might I might say it's my quote, y'all. Look, only the people that <laughs> listen know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's true, right? It's true. Listen, it, that was good. That was really good. And I think, you know, I would just speak for women of color. Like a lot of times, you know, our voices are so muted, you know, that we tend to, you know, overlook our gut. And I'm speaking of me, you know, like I have great intuition, right? And 
it took me some time to begin to respect my intuition again, you know, and then actually listen to my intuition again. Right. And I still haven't figured that thing all the way out. So that was really, really good. Right. So you started alluding to my next question. Right. So Anna done talked about it, right? So we about to get the deed. So Anna knows how to get to the money, y'all. She knows she know how to get to the money. She be knowing where the money at. She be knowing all of the things, right? <laughs> so you often give talks on crowdfunding. You mm-hmm. often win pitch competitions. Every time I turn around, she in the competition. She win like she be doing the thing, right? So let's talk fundraising for businesses or projects. Like what suggestions do you have for us to be successful in this area? I love fundraising. I think fundraising is a lot of fun, actually. It, I, I really got into it when I was on the board of a nonprofit. And I, I was on the board for quite some time. Then I was board president for some time. And raising money for that organization was part of the most fun I had being on the board. Because when you believe in something, it's real easy to go out and ask for money for it. <laughs> and you begin to realize that it's either a yes, a no, or not right now. And that's all it's going to be. <laughs> but in the midst of all of that, what you're doing is building a relationship with whomever you're asking, no matter what their response is. You have an opportunity in that moment to continue to build a relationship because people people hold their money real close, okay? And, and everybody listening to this podcast, you know you hold your money real close. I don't care how much money you have. People think rich people should just give you money. They earned that money, most of them, okay? (laughs) Especially those of color. They most likely earned it. They probably hold on to their money closer than you hold on to your money. And so they ain't giving money to nobody they ain't got no relationship with, period. So I find that, you know, some keys for me, when even when I was doing the nonprofit work and then that just transitioned into the work that I'm doing for my business is that, it begins and ends with relationships, begins and ends with relationships. And if you don't have good relationship building skills, it is not going to work because people want to give money to people they like. It's, I don't got to talk to you every day. <laughs> this is not what I'm saying. This is not, it's not about that, but it is about being vulnerable. It is about being transparent. It's about being authentic. It's about living into whatever you're passionate about. I tell you in my, you know, crowdfunding talk, people often want to support anybody living their passion because most of the people in the world are not. <laughs> most of the people in the world are not living out what they're called to do. And I believe we all have been called to do something, but most of us don't listen or aren't in a position to listen. You know, I think we all have to recognize our own privileges. I I recognize I am very privileged. I grew up in a two-parent household. Both my parents had jobs all the time. And they provided for me. I am a privileged human being. And I've always, I've always acknowledged that and always been grateful for that because I understand that that is not everybody's situation. That is not everybody's circumstance. And so I have an opportunity to make the most out of this situation, right? This foundation I was given. And I think when when people go out and ask for money about something they're passionate about or called to do, people support it because some, most times they didn't have the opportunity to do what they wanted to do. They Maybe they had children young and they, got to, they had other people to think about, you know? Maybe they had to take care of their parents right? Something unfortunate happened and now they got to be a caregiver. So there's no, there's not an opportunity for them at that moment to be living out what they call to do or passionate about or have time to do it. So they want to give to other people so that they can do it, right? People want to do that, but you just have to have the courage to ask. And oftentimes people don't have the courage to ask. They don't know how to make an ask. They get uncomfortable talking about money, right? We have all of our own, we harbor things about money. However you were raised with money is how you deal with money. And when you're fundraising, you got to let all that go and you can't bring your stuff to the other person when it comes to asking somebody for money. You can't count people's money. You know, I think funny is poverty in this country is really funny because there are poor people, but there are poor working people. Okay, and we know a lot of poor working people 
And them people spend their money on whatever they want to spend their money on. Whether that's the new Jordans, going out to the bars, okay? They spend their money <laughs> how they want to. And so you thinking, you know, you need $150, but you thinking they only going to give you, they only got 50 to give. How you know? You don't know that. You do not know that. Okay? <laughs> you don't. Because I think a lot of times the working poor are, they choose. They absolutely make decisions on where they and how they're going to spend their money. And if they want to make more money, you know, period. Sometimes it's like, I know what threshold I need to hit before this other thing stops. So let me, is that everybody's making decisions. And so I think when you're fundraising, some keys here, be clear, fundraise about something you're passionate about because you ain't going to be able to ask anybody for money that you're not, that you're not passionate about it. Don't count nobody else's money. Know how to make an ask. Be strategic. I, when I started fundraising for the cube, you know, I started, my list was my wedding. So anybody invited to my wedding, I must love y'all and y'all must love me. So that was my, <laughs> that was my starter list of people that I wanted to ask. You have that list. You got them people that you can, but just takes time, put them all in the list, see how much you can ask them for. And whatever you think about asking, triple it. You think about asking them for $25, asking for 75. You thinking about asking them for a thousand dollars, asking for $3,000. If you think you're asking for 10, asking for $30,000. You just don't know. You just don't know. And what are they gonna say? Oh, I don't got that right now. I understand. What do you what do you think you could do? I think I can do, I could probably do 20. That's more than the 10 you was about to ask for originally, wasn't it? <laughs> you just don't know. I had someone, I asked somebody, I don't know, I think I asked them for like two thousand dollars or something. And they were like, I might be able to do that, but just let me just ask my wife. Okay. <laughs> Ask your wife, you know, I just say, you know, you got to definitely leave your, leave your stuff at the door and approach it with a clear mind and a clear heart about what you're looking to do and maintain the relationship. Mm -hmm. The relationship is the most important thing because if they don't have it right now, they might have it later. You never know. I mean, and I had people tell me that, like, and I don't got it right now, but I know I'm getting me some money. So just hit me up in like five months. That was after the campaign. But I know in five months I'm going to need that money. I, I put it in the spreadsheet and I made a reminder. <laughs> Reach out to da -da, da 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 on this date and say, hey, I know we talked five months ago. You said you might be able to do something. Let me know how you're feeling. This is what we're doing right now. Things are going great. Let me know if you can still donate that three hundred dollars. You know. All the things, all the things. I could talk about this for. We got merch. Go to winhersunited.com forward slash shop to check out the Winhers t-shirts. There are two options available for you in multiple colors. One is called the Winhers Courageous t-shirt and the other is called the Winhers Birthright t-shirt. The material is top-notch and the designs are too cute. Remember, you're a win her every day, so you might as well wear the t-shirt. Get yours today at winhersunited.com forward slash shop. I love that. No, all, all of that was amazing, right? And I think, you know, a gym, well, they were all gyms, right? But a gym I wanted to call out on is that follow-up, right? Like the fortune is in the follow-up. It's something that, you know, I've learned being a sponsorship manager for various different podcast organizations, right? And I think a lot of times we could get caught up with no response. Oh, they don't like me. They don't want this, you know, want that because they didn't respond. Like, people be busy. I know sometimes I get emails I don't see, right? Being in a joke and to be judging me, y'all, because my email is insane, right? And a lot of emails I miss. Me and email have a love-hate relationship, right? So if I don't respond to an email, it doesn't mean I'm ignoring you, right? It means that I missed that email, right? So that may be the same for other people, right? Like, or they might have read it. Like, sometimes I read stuff and I respond in my mind, you know, and then realize that I really didn't respond, you know? Like, mm -hmm. that may even be the case, right? So learning how to follow up, you know, until you get that no, 
until you get that yes or until you get that not right now, right? And I love the tracking, you know, and everything to stay organized and all of that. And we ain't going to even touch on the relationships because you hit it all. And I agree 100% with everything you said. But you did lead into what my next question was, right? So just going into mindset a little bit, right? And piggybacking off of crowdfunding, you know, and even pitch competitions, right? So, of course, in those situations, we always want to hear yes, right? Like, who wants to be told no? Like, I don't like to be told no. I don't like it. I've been spoiled as a kid. You know, I could be very bratty personally, right? And I don't like to hear no, right? But the unfortunate reality of life is that I've heard no a lot more times than I wanted to, right? And I'll probably hear it a lot more times in my lifetime. And it's something that I have to accept, right? So, Anna, tell us, how do you keep going when faced with notes? So let me tell you, just this morning, I was going through Instagram and going through stories. I was going through Lena Waite's story. And she had a clip from Diane Carroll. So I love, oh, I love listening to legends like Diane Carroll, right? People who lived at a time where being Black was even more impossible. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they did amazing things. So, so she had this like clip where she talks and she was like, when I got a no, I looked at them like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) I I cracked up laughing. She was like, when someone told me, no, I, I just thought to myself, what's wrong with them? There's nothing wrong with me. That's basically what she was saying. There's nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with them. And I am committed to proving them wrong. And I know I'm going to get a yes. I know the next one's going to be a yes. And she said that was the attitude she always had to have. And I think that's the attitude all of us have to have about the situation because there will always be no's. I get a lot of no's and I do my best to share them on social because I think so many entrepreneurs just choose to share the good things. And there's this false narrative out here about the reality. The reality is it's challenging. It's not impossible it's just challenging because you're putting everything you got into it. And it's way different when there is no backup plan. Now, I have degrees. I could absolutely go outside and get me a job, but that is not going to bring me joy. So this is the choice I have to make in being an entrepreneur that I have a mortgage. I have an expensive wife. OK, and I have a puppy. So there are things that have to get paid and they don't get paid unless I am actively working actively putting myself out here, actively being vulnerable, actively building a pipeline of opportunities, right? And the no, (laughs) frustrating. It is incredibly frustrating. Even sometimes it's annoying. And then there'll be times when you know you're the best one in the room and you still don't get it. Yep, that has happened on many occasions. That is life. That is the journey. I, you know, people, people say all the times like, you can't enjoy the mountaintop or something like, unless you know what the valley feels like. Or, you know, one of them corny sayings, I tell people all the time, I don't need to know the valley, okay? I can enjoy this mountain just fine, just the way it is. But, <laughs> but life is life and everything is not going to go your way. Everybody, It's just not. And you really can't let it get to you. Not to the point where you can't get back up. You just can't. You don't have time for it. You just don't have time for it. You have to keep pushing. And the next yes is on the way. My One of my homies, because I be complaining, one of my homies, and she be like, I know when you call me and you're really frustrated that something good is about to happen. She tells me this all the time. And it's like clockwork that that's exactly what happens. And every time I be like, God, I really didn't need it, though. I didn't need the moment. I could have just like... <laughs> We could have just skipped all of that. You know what I mean? Like me and God be talking like that. I'd be like, we could have just skipped all of that and just been here already. But she says it. And um, every time she said, I'd be like, and it's like clockwork. Something amazing happens next. So I, I, I just, I think that's how we have to look at it. Have like the confidence that of a Diane Carroll. Okay. <laughs> and, and the resilience that's needed to get to your next yes. Cause you can't mm-hmm. get to the next yes, unless you keep putting yourself out here after the no. I mean, that's just it. That's good. That's good. So 
right? It made me think of like, it's a numbers game, right? Like anyone that takes any sales trainings, you know, like you learn that, you know, let's say you reach out to a hundred people, you may get 20 yeses, right? But you have to reach out to a hundred people to possibly get to 20 yeses, right? So it's a numbers game, you know? So understanding that can give you some of the gusto to keep going, right? I love that mindset in relation to, oh, something must be wrong with that. I'm about to adopt that look because I'm quick to get in my feelings, you know, like, and be like, well, they don't like me. Like, I'm quick to feel like that, you know? So mm-hmm. listen, I'm like, hold up, hold up. I'm about to use that one, honey. I'm going to send you the video. I'm actually going to post it today. I had I wanted to give that some time before I posted it, but I'm going to post it tonight, actually, because it's just so good. Other people need to hear it. Listen, that that just changed my whole life. Like, literally, I'm about to, you know, because I got to do some rewiring, right? The mindset journey is a continual journey, no matter, you know, what kind of accolades or ladders you climb. Like, it's always going to be some kind of mindset shift that you have to get over to continue to push and push and push, right? Yes. And I think, you know, I love using celebrities as examples because they are because they often are not taught, called entrepreneurs. And I don't know why. I don't mm. know why we don't call actors entrepreneurs. I don't know why we don't call athletes entrepreneurs. I don't know why we don't call them that. But that's exactly who they are. <laughs> actors, literally, by the time we see a movie, they shot that movie two, three years ago. Mm. Can you imagine if they just decided to stop auditioning just because they got some big movie like avatar took like a decade to make mm, <laughs> right you know what i'm saying what's that person what is that actor doing between the decade about between the next time you see them on the red carpet or something like that they are enduring no's for every other audition it doesn't matter what they did a year ago it does not matter right they hear like I, sometimes I, I don't know if anybody else thinks about this, but maybe somebody on your podcast thinks about this too. I look at like the best man who gets cast in like the best man, for example, and I'm thinking like, I wonder who else auditioned for that. Mm, I never, not me. I got a friend that probably think the same thing like you. <laughs> I be thinking like, I wonder who else auditioned for that. There's a lot of beautiful black actors and actresses out here in the world, and they didn't land the best man. <laughs> that's now become this iconic piece of work, right? I think about iconic things like set it off. Imagine how many people could have probably played in that role. I mean, there are beautiful black women all up and through Hollywood. You know, they compete against each other every single day. And they're all brilliant. But there's only a certain number of roles available. That's it. And today might be yo yes, and tomorrow might be like Woman King and Conda Forever. The actors who played in both of those films could have played in either one. But somebody got a no and somebody got a yes. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's why they always say like, you can't stop. Right. Because if you stop, you never give yourself an opportunity to get a yes. Mm. You just have to keep putting yourself out here. You have that's to. Good. That's good. Yeah, when I was listening to you, it made me think of the iceberg is it a meme an illustration whatever it is that shows the picture of the iceberg right and all Mm -hmm. you see is the top you know but there's so much mass at the bottom you know and that's what I thought of as I was listening to you and it's true right it's really true right that was good so speaking of the things you do to get to where you want to go right I know that you participate in a lot of accelerators as well as incubators, right? So I need I need the deets, right? Like I, I like to know all the business, right? So where do you find them? Which one has been your favorite or possibly like the most effective? And why do you feel they're beneficial? Those are tough questions because I've been in a lot of accelerators and incubators. I find out about them because people send them to me. People send them to me. And I've also were, was have been very intentional about putting myself in spaces with other founders. Right. And so when I quit corporate America, 
one of the first things I knew I had to do was go out and network. I needed to go find my people. And I think that's the case for anybody going out here to do your own thing. You got to find your people, find out in your space who is doing the work. And for me, there's a couple of spaces. There's the podcasting space, right? That's a space. Then there's the media space in general of journalists and Black journalists in particular. And then I could go queer journalists as well. But then there's also the founder space. And so oftentimes people in the media or podcasting space are not often founders too, right? They're different because I'm also managing people and managing a team and managing a budget and having to do taxes for multiple people. Like there's just a different way of thinking for founders. And so I have intentionally also wanted to connect with founders and find programs for founders and black founders and underrepresented founders and queer founders, all these things. So, and there's organizations and associations for absolutely everything. So you have to sign up for the listservs sign up for the newsletters, go to the meetups, right? And I was doing it during COVID. So, so much stuff was virtual that nothing stopped. People just shifted. So once you get on the newsletters and you start receiving the emails, you start seeing the same things in different spots. And then you start to see who's leading in the space and who's doing the work. And then you go and you attend and you be like, oh, I like that vibe. Oh, I didn't like that vibe. And then you realize, okay, I want to go here and I don't want to go here. And then you start seeing the same people over and over again and over and over again. And and then when you're putting yourself out there and people begin to respect your work and they start learning more about you. And so it's just one thing leads up to another thing. And sort of that's how that's how I've gotten kind of into this Chicago entrepreneur scene, the VC scene, and then the podcasting space as well. So that's that. That's that piece. My favorite incubator, that's tough because they're different stages. So Mm. I've had different cohorts at different stages of my journey. So in the beginning, right, there was the Chamber of Commerce, the LGBT Chamber of Commerce had an entrepreneur group. That was a great thing for me in the beginning. And then I just... Last year was in Google for startups, which was brilliant. That was brilliant because I was with other black and brown founders who were out here and sort of in the same space as I was looking to start to raise money, have an amazing idea. They've gotten a little bit of traction, but need to figure out the sales side a little bit more. And they were from all over the country. That one was really good because it gave really tangible skills on how to talk and talk about your message and then how to go out and sell your message. That one was really good. And right now, I'd probably say Goody Nation is the one that I probably get the most benefit out of. Goody Nation also supports black and brown founders. They have a notion with just a list of opportunities that they keep updated. I keep the tab open and refresh. They give the link to where you go apply. They give the opportunity where it is. They organize it. We have therapy for founders where we get together and it's usually a theme and we have therapy together and share experiences. We have a Slack channel where people share their wins. And, you know, what's really great about the winning is because oftentimes being an entrepreneurship, you're alone. You spend most of the day by yourself. And so when you apply for things and you don't get it, you're like, man, ain't nobody I know won this, man. This is like, what was that thing when you were growing up and they get the checks? He'd be like, I don't know nobody that won a check. Oh, uh, the sweepstakes. The something yeah, sweepstakes. The right, right. <laughs> who, who, right. Where they won them checks. They, right. they all fake, right? But the <laughs> Goody Nation, the Slack channel is dope because you get to see people who do win. Like, I applied for that. I didn't get it. But now I can see someone who did. And they're in this incubator with me. And so that's been that's been the case a lot. Amazon Web Services. Pharrell's Black Ambition Prize. You know, these are things I've applied for, didn't get. But there are people in Goody Nation who did. And I was like, mad respect. And so then you get to follow their journey through it. So I would probably say Goody Nation is the one I get the most value out of right now. It's really great. Mm, I like that. I like that. So listen, if y'all look, one thing, I have like a sense for what is it? So like pulling the things out, pulling the things out, seeing the strategies, different things like that, right? So Anna gave us keywords, right? She gave us an idea of keywords to go search in Google, you know, to find incubators, right? She gave us a few incubators to look up, you know, and then also mm-hmm. just ways that incubators have been beneficial in her life, right? So, you know, you can't say, you ain't get the goods, right? Because me personally, I'm about to go back, rewind back, you know, and write this stuff down for myself, right? Because it was really, really good. 
All right. So let's talk self-care, right? Like every episode, we got to talk about a little bit of self-care, right? Because I feel like, you know, going full steam ahead, you know, family, personal, you know, mental, business, right? Like, what about you? So tell us what self-care looks like for you. Self-care for me is being consistent. So I wake up in the morning and if I'm being my very best, I wake up and I go to my prayer corner and I light my candle and I write my gratitude and I write my affirmations and I look at the meditation for the day and I take some time and I do my stretching and I just sit in quiet (laughs) because the day is just really loud. You don't know what the day is going to hold. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you determine your day. I would argue God and the universe determine really the day. You have goals that you want to accomplish. You think you know what time you're going to get those done, but you have no control over that. The day will take you where it will take you. And when you're in a job, it's different because everyone around you has expectations that you can't do nothing until you off. Entrepreneurship. (laughs) People call me all times of the day. And sometimes I cannot, but sometimes I can And it's my choice when I can. And so I say that to say my self-care is being in control of the things that I can. And when I wake up in the morning, early in the morning, I like waking up when it's dark outside and it's quiet and I get to spend time with myself and I get to spend time in the quiet and with a candle and with some good music. And it's usually something inspirational after I listen to my affirmations and just sit in some gratitude that I woke up. Because there's somebody who didn't. And there's somebody who, you know, doesn't know that today is the day. We Mm -hmm. all wake up doing the same things, but we really don't know. They say like, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. No, no, no. Here today, gone today. Like out of the physical realm of this thing. And I think self-care for me is the quiet time. It's also playing with my puppy, Coco. And it's also vegging out on the couch with my wife and watching bad black television, right? Something on Tubi, you know, like that too is self-care because it doesn't involve me having to think and it doesn't involve me having to be strategic or be somebody's manager or be a leader at that moment. I'm just chilling. So Mm. all those things for me are self-care. I love that. I love that. Look, you making me want to have to go back and dig in the crates and pull some of these old questions out, right? Because one of the previous questions from like the, I want to say first four seasons, right? I would ask, what was your morning routine, right? So definitely appreciate you sharing your morning routine. Look, I ain't graduate to that get out, get up when it's dark outside club yet, right? It's one of my aspirations because I actually want to start making it to the gym at like five o'clock in the morning. So y'all just keep me in your prayers, you know, in relation to that, right? But I think that those were super great, you know? So for anyone, you know, looking for inspiration in relation to a good morning routine, right? And it just gave us a lot of ideas, right? And You touched on something that made me want to call something out, right? Because, you know, like I like to be very optimistic and very like, you know, sunshine, rainbows, unicorn, cupcakes. Like that's how I like to be, right? But unfortunately, that is not always the realities of life, right? So you saying here today, going today actually just made me think of one of our previous podcast guests. I think it was about a week ago. I found out that our guest, Gabrielle Leonard, I can't think of her exact episode, but I literally quoted her on two episodes ago, which like sickening when I found out that she passed away 35 years old, you know? So just wanted to take, you know, a quick moment of silence for her. And really, like, just say, like, seize these opportunities, you know, take the time to take care of yourself, you know, take the time to just, you know, do what makes you happy, right? Because we don't know, like, we don't know, we don't, right? Like, stop wasting time. Right. Money, you can go out and make money. There are so many, so many ways to make money today, especially in America. I give America a lot of crap. I can be very transparent around that, okay? America has a lot of problems. But one thing that is not a problem is being able to go out and get some money. Mm. There are so many ways that you can go make money. And you can do that. And you can do it embodying what you're called to do and what you love to do. 
because 35, let me tell you, you just don't know when God says all your work here is done. And you may think you got more work to do, but God said, this is it. This is it. And when you get to that moment, man, I'm so grateful. I've heard a lot, so many things, but like someone gave me this analogy and was just telling me like, when you on your deathbed, do you think you're going to say, I really wish I would have worked harder for that job? You know, when you're on your deathbed, are you going to be saying, dang, I really, I shouldn't have took them days off work. (laughs) (laughs) I I really wanted to, I really wanted to send that email. No, that is not what you're talking about on your deathbed. That is not it. It is, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. Maybe it is, I wish I would have sold somebody. I love them, right? You ought to be prioritizing the things that you that you want to be so clear about when it's your time to go. So if you ain't thinking about that, I don't know what you're doing. Also, if you ain't thinking about your legacy, I don't know what you're thinking about. Mm. Okay. Look, Anna getting ahead of herself. She tell us some parting words or advice. Look, we ain't get there yet, Anna. My we bad. All, My bad. Almost there. My fault. <laughs> So you done already dropped this though, but I want to hear you might have something new because Anna always got a, uh, what they call it, a rabbit in the hat. Look, I be coming up with sayings and be laughing at my sayings, y'all, but a hat out the bag, what they call it? Bad out the... <laughs> Whatever right, you I'm a, say, I'm, I'm going part, with it I'm right now. I'm going to cut this part out though because I don't want y'all laughing at me. I might leave it in just for kicks. So no, no, leave how. it in and leave this part in too. Me calling you out, leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, tell us about your latest win and why it's important to you. And latest win, getting a licensing and distribution deal with Urban One. That is a big deal. It's an amazing moment for us as a startup company, as a company with our first podcast out here in the world. And to have a company as legendary as Urban One in the Black community, the only Black-owned media company at the level of Urban One, right? reaching 100 million households a year to find value in what we're producing means a whole hell of a lot. So that's the most recent win that I'm probably most proud of. Oh, and the MB nomination. The MB nomination is pretty special too. Yeah. Okay, look, what if don't nobody know what the MB nomination is? Anna, you got to give them some deets now. Very good, very good. So the AMBs are the Oscars of podcasting. So... If you know what the Oscars are, then you know what the Ambies are for podcasting. And we got nominated this year in a new category that they created called DIY, which means that we spend less than $3,000 per episode. So I just want to give that some context because most people think that's indie, but that is not indie. That is not indie. And if you think about how many episodes your favorite podcast produces a year, And you times that by three, I just want you to go ahead and hit the donate button. That's what I want you to do. Because that's that's the level of what people are producing out here in the world. So, yeah. So we got nominated in the DIY (laughs) category because they figure less than $3,000 an episode, not a season. An episode is the do-it-yourself. Okay. So grateful. Okay. Well, congratulations. You know, yes. I'm going to shout you out for talking about hit the donate button. Look, and I don't know if you was talking about yours or mine. Yours. Right? I'm but talking about made, yours. Look, 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 you made me think of that, right? But I say cash app, it's dollar sign Winhurst United. And then I have my buy me a coffee link, right? Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Winhurst United. And it is appreciated, right? Because it is a lot of work that happens behind the scenes, you know? So thank you, Anna. Thank You're you. welcome. Hit Listen, the donate. look, Anna hey. know how to get, look, Anna get to ask. Look, so it's so funny when you was talking about asking, because I probably don't do it as much as I should. My preacher talks about, he said, get your ask up. Look, and then he make jokes like, I didn't, I said ask, A-S-K. You know, he's talking about what are you asking God for, you know, but even also people, right? And, and giving people that benefit of the doubt. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. So two more things, right? And then, because I, okay. I done kidnapped Anna for a long time. So yeah. Listen, <laughs> what does being a winner mean to you? And then you could tell us your parting words if you have any. Oh, and where to find and connect with you. Okay. Win hurt. What does it mean to me? It means I made it. 
Y'all, it means I've made it to the podcast. It means that when Nicole do that roundup and she bring all the black entrepreneurs back out and they do like an all day, two, three day conference, that means I get to be invited. It means, it means that I get my face on a flyer that she is going to share across social media. And then that means I get to be included with other amazing women of color entrepreneurs and women of color doing amazing things in the world. That's what it means to me. My last parting words, I think I said those already. I didn't know I had said it, but. If you literally, if you are not thinking about the legacy you are leaving, I really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I really just don't know. Now, is your legacy at home? Is your legacy in the corporate workspace? Is your legacy at church? Is your legacy with your friends? Wherever, however you see your legacy, you better be sowing all the seeds into it. And I, you know, I think I think about my ancestors all the time, actually every morning. In my prayer corner, I have pictures of my grandparents, my aunts, my family, people who raised me, pictures of me when I was younger. I think about them because there were people who loved on me, who dreamt about me, who prayed for me, right? And they aren't here anymore. I am their legacy, right? I have a shirt that I use as a headshot, busy making my ancestors proud. I really mean that. And we ought to be busy working towards making our ancestors proud. Mm, that's good. That look, she done dropped the mic, y'all. She she had to go out on the mic drop. She had to go out on the mic drop, and we appreciate it. Hey, I'm a win hers unite. I'm a win hers now. You are, you are, and have always been. Well, thank you. Where can we find you? <laughs> at Anna Deshaun across all social media, at the Cube app, Cube with a Q. I, the Cube app across all socials. And if you like queer radio and you like queer news at E, the number three radio across all social media. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Anna. This has been such a joy. I feel like like we went through various different emotions, various different topics. Like this was just juicy all around. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I really enjoyed this interview with Anna and I hope you did as well. My takeaway for today is to go after the money because I want to continue to build my legacy. I really admire the strides Anna has made in fundraising and I definitely need to do better in this area. And I appreciate Anna for reminding me to ask for donations for this podcast as it truly is a labor of love and could use some help, right? So dollar sign Winhers United at Cash App or you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash United. All donations are appreciated and nothing is too small. But enough about me. What's your takeaway from this episode? Send me an email and let me know. My email is winhersunited at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. One of my models is sharing is caring. So I sure hope that you care to share. I look forward to receiving an email from you. Don't forget to go to winhersunited.com forward slash podcast. This is where you'll find the show notes for this episode. So you can read Anna's full bio, get the links to connect with Anna, get the cash app handle for Winhers United, get the direct link to my buy me a coffee page, get the link to get your Winhers t-shirt, and more. We'll be back in two weeks with another amazing, winning woman of color entrepreneur. But until then, as always, be empowered and empower on. <laughs>